Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for September the 23rd of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, it is your one-stop shop for everything you need to know. So, if you enjoy the show and you like what you see, hit that subscribe button and keep coming back for more. But today we now know what happened to Mike Morheim after he left Blizzard, the company he co-founded. Meet Dreamhaven, a brand new studio. Now, of course, Morheim left Blizzard back in late 2018 after 27 years at the company he co-founded and after spending 14 years as its president. Several other high-profile names follow. Dreamhaven's announcement today reveals where many have ended up. The company is made up of two separate studio teams, Moonshot and Secret Door, each led by former Blizzard talent. Moonshot is led by Jason Chase alongside Dustin Broder and Ben Thompson. All have served as producers and directors on Blizzard games such as Hearthstone, StarCraft II, and Heroes of the Storm. Secret Door is headed up by Chris Segati, who previously led Blizzard's Warcraft 3 and StarCraft II team. Joining him are Hearthstone director Eric Dodds and Heroes of the Storm developer Alan DeBerry. Numerous other ex-Blizzard employees will also serve among Dreamhaven's ranks. Quote, we are almost trying to create a heaven for creators who want an environment that is development-friendly, values product and player experience over short-term financial pleasures, Morheim told VentureBeat. We believe in the power of gaming to bring people together and as an escape of the unpleasant things that reality can bring. In that sense, it is a haven as well. We like the imagery of a lighthouse as a beacon, and that inspires us because we hope that Dreamhaven can be a beacon of hope to others in the industry who share our values and philosophies. There is a better way of approaching business and game creation that can work and be sustainable and be a lot of fun and yield positive results." End quote. When asked by VentureBeat why so many Blizzard employees had left that company and joined Morheim's own, there was talk of unfinished business. Quote, I think it was probably difficult for all of us in different ways to leave, Morheim said. I was there nearly 28 years and a big part of my identity was really wrapped up in Blizzard. It did take me quite a long time to separate myself from that. I had a tremendous amount of fun during my time at Blizzard and many friends who are still there, Chase added. But is there unfinished business? There are more things that we would like to do, there are more stories to tell, more games to make, and a need to figure out what developers and publishers look like in the future. This is an opportunity to build a company. So, although no projects have been announced, we now have the framework for what could very well grow to become one of the most important development studios in gaming if it is handled appropriately. And if anybody is going to handle it appropriately, it's probably going to be this star-studded team of people that have worked on very, very significant games in the past. Of course, Mike Morheim, co-founder of Blizzard, is a very important industry professional. He is somebody who has shaped the industry into what it has become today, and so to see him starting a new project is something that I think signals the start of something new. And I do want to point out one part of this quote down here. There are more games to make and a need to figure out what developers and publishers look like in the future. That sentence is very, very important. 
because currently we are in a transformative state. What worked in 1990 and what worked in 2000 does not work that well in 2010 and 2020. The entire playing field is beginning to shift. You see more subscription-based gaming coming into play. On top of that, what might have worked at Activision in 2010 and 2015 is slowly starting to become something that is annoying to gamers, the nickeling and the diming. And overall, the fact that Activision was pushing so hard on Blizzard Blizzard obviously is forcing many to leave the company and they are looking for a safe haven or you could even say a dream haven to make their vision of the game that they want to make a reality. So I'm personally looking forward to seeing what the team at Dreamhaven begins to come up with, or I should say the two teams at Dreamhaven continue to come up with, because Moonshot and Secret Door are both working on projects that will probably be shaping the future of the industry as we know it, and I do hope everybody on both of those teams the absolute best. But we also got some very big news this morning for fans of classics. Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 are all seemingly being re-released on PC. Konami is bringing some of its classic games to PC again. New PC ratings for Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid, and Metal Gear Solid 2 Substance have popped up on the Taiwan Digital Game Rating Committee's website. The ratings are separate, and they are joined by Konami Collector Series, Castlevania, and Contra, also for PC. As spotted by Gamatsu, the listings indicate an impending announcement, though seemingly only for PC. Some of the aforementioned Metal Gear Solid games were released on PC years ago, but they are not easily accessible today. Although the three chosen games obviously don't cover the entire catalog, it is a start that hopefully means follow-up titles will make their way to PC soon. As for the Konami Collector series, Castlevania and Contra, it actually came to PC back in 2002. It includes Castlevania, Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest, Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse, Contra, and Super C. That collection is curious, however, because the included games have their own collections on PC, namely the Castlevania Anniversary Collection and the Contra Anniversary Collection. So, this leaves a lot of questions. Now, there is another report coming from Push Square that says this is also going to be a PlayStation 5 exclusive, and by this, I mean an entire remake of the first Metal Gear game. That is something that has come from a pretty reputable source in the gaming industry that has a fairly solid track record of being accurate, and I would not be shocked in the slightest to see that become a reality, but it seems that is going to be one of those titles that comes to PlayStation 5 as a console exclusive and then to the PC space as well. Now again, none of this has been confirmed, so don't go around saying Samuel Adams said that Metal Gear is going to be coming to PC and PlayStation 5. That's not what I said, but the Taiwan Games Rating Board, or I should say the Taiwan Digital Game Rating Committee's website, has shown that at least something is afoot over at Konami in terms of the world of Metal Gear. And of course, on top of that, this collector series Castlevania and Contra seems to be perhaps a bundle of two existing uh, collections, so that might make a bit of sense depending on the price and depending on where it comes out. Uh, but keep your eyes peeled and your ear to the ground because it seems something is rumbling over there in the world of Metal Gear. But when it comes to this year, few games have been able to overcome Fall Guys, which has been an absolute runaway success that has dipped a bit over the course of the past few weeks in popularity, but it still remains incredibly prevalent, and it has the highest earning PC launch since Overwatch in terms of digital revenue. It brought in $185 million in August on PC alone, with 8.2 million players buying the game according to Superdata. 
Fall Guys debuted as the top-earning PC game in terms of digital revenue for August, reaching $185 million in revenue with 8.2 million users paying for the PC version. This is the highest-earning digital launch of any PC title since Overwatch in May of 2016, according to Superdata's monthly digital games revenue report. Horizon Zero Dawn did not crack the PC charts, but it did sell 716,000 units on PC during its launch month. That is more than the PC version of Death Stranding did with 477,000 during its launch month. On console, sports games made up half of the top 10, with Madden NFL 21 at number 7, selling 570,000 digital units, and PGA Tour 2K21 at number 10, selling 580,000 digital units during the month of August. Fortnite was the number 3 best earning console game and number 6 on PC, with combined revenue between the two up 76% month over month. This helped offset a 62% month-over-month decline in mobile revenue due to the game being pulled from the App Store and Google Play mid-month, though Superdata does not track Fortnite revenue stemming from its launch on Android outside of Google Play. Overall, August digital games revenue reached $10.8 billion, up 16% year-over-year. Digital console earnings saw the most growth, up 88% year-over-year, while PC revenue was up 15% and mobile only up 3 but the way that I see it in today's day and age, in today's economy, up is up and gaming continues to be on the rise. But needless to say, the headline says it all, Fall Guys is the real story here. Because this little indie game that is published by Devolver Digital has become one of the runaway successes in PC gaming. $185 million in a month for a whole bunch of little bean people that are pulling and pushing each other into the finish line. It is wild to see how successful that game has become. Now, another point that I want to make is that the PlayStation games that are releasing on PC, they're not doing so well. At least, not as well as many people expected. To see that Horizon Zero Dawn did not even crack a million copies sold, it shows it's a little bit shaky in my opinion to release PlayStation games on PC. Now that is not to say that it's not worth the investment, but if PlayStation is wanting to crack into the PC space, it shows they're going to have to invest a bit more time and money into making that a reality. Death Stranding is another example, again, not even cracking half a million during its launch month. And so you see the competition beginning to heat up over the PC space where Microsoft clearly dominates. And of course, for good reason, they can build their games around Windows to run very well within the Xbox app if you do want to buy it through that. And then they are working directly with Steam, so that is another option as well. Uh, now, PlayStation has these exact same tools at their disposal, but these teams have to fine-tune their games and to make them uh, very marketable and to make them very desirable to play on PC. It's a weird way to get your games on PC, but ultimately it is happening and the PlayStation units are going to keep coming. I think we will see that over the next generation. Now the sports games are no surprise, but one big little point that I did want to make, a little bit of a conundrum there, a big little point if you will, uh, the digital console earnings saw the most growth up 88% year over year. Now the pandemic is continuing. Let's not go ahead and, and beat around the bush with that. That is still contributing to the growth of digital sales. But outside of that, that's still a lot of growth, even not counting the fact that people don't want to go buy their games from a store. Now going into a next generation console lineup that has not only a digital PlayStation 5, but a digital Xbox One, or I should say an Xbox Series S, uh, then you begin to see more and more digital prevalency uh, in the gaming industry. 
That's something that is going to continue to hurt these retailers. I think you are going to continue seeing a rise in digital, and even if you do have a PlayStation 5 with a physical disc drive, it might be tempting to pick up some of these games on the PlayStation Store, especially when you think all the way ahead to a PlayStation 6 in a few years' time. Uh, so we'll see how this continues to evolve as time passes, but digital is still on the rise, and gaming overall continues to go up and up and up. Now, Fall Guys is a runaway success, but could it be Game of the Year? I mean, considering Untitled Goose Game was nominated for so many awards last year, I don't see why not, but this year's Game Awards will be held in LA, London, and Tokyo this December. A reconnected world inspired by Death Stranding, Jeff Keighley says. Jeff Keighley's annual December Games announcement show will broadcast live from three cities around the world on the 10th of December. The show will be filmed in empty studios based in Los Angeles, London, and Tokyo, which will link up to provide this year's ceremony. Speaking to Variety about this plan, Keighley said the idea to connect up these cities was in part inspired by Death Stranding, the post-apocalyptic delivery game made by Hideo Kojima in which he also cameoed. I was like, well, maybe we could do this on a world scale, Keeley said, referencing Death Stranding's healing of a disconnected United States. That was really the impetus for the idea. We would never normally be able to do that, to have three cities live. But I'm like, this is a unique year of circumstances, so let's try that. I think it sends a really great message, and I think it's what I'd like to do more of. If we are all still here in December, we will report live then, says the team at Eurogamer. So again, Thursday, December the 10th, you will see the show live from Los Angeles, London, and Tokyo. And I love this concept because Death Stranding in and of itself is a very unique idea. And I never would have connected the dots to think, hey, let's make the Game Awards essentially like you are bridging the gaps between the world. That's very cool to me. Now, of course, you can say that the Game Awards are built up and that the Game Awards are pointless, but we did see the reveal of the Xbox Series X at last year's show. On top of that, you really do see a celebration of gaming itself, and of course, you get to see what gets Game of the Year. I always love watching the Game Awards, and I cannot wait until December the 10th to see which games take home the gold. Uh, but with that being said, that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed today's show, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about everything we talked about here today. But specifically, what do you think about the brand new studio coming from the Axe Blizzard executive? Do you think it is going to pump out some pretty good stuff or are you a bit hesitant? Would love to hear your thoughts. But until tomorrow, you guys have a fantastic rest of your night. I'll talk to you soon and peace.